Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. There's a bunch of cool stuff and a few products that have finally gone up for pre-order that many of us have been waiting on for a while now. So uh, definitely check everything out and let's jump right in. Dan has just reopened pre-orders on the Wii Dual Kits. And these are the do-it-yourself kits only, not installation services. And I believe the original plan was to first do a small pre-order, make sure there were no issues, and then just reopen pre-orders on a much bigger scale, which I believe that's where we're at right now. So I'm a huge fan of it. Um, you know, the, the video I did was sincere. The captures I did were, weren't so great, but uh, my, my verbal descriptions were. So uh, check out the video if you still haven't seen it. And if you're a huge Wii fan, this is a must-have. If you're a casual Wii fan, like I've said from the beginning, possibly just use a, uh, a Wii U if you need HDMI output, or just component video out from a regular Wii is fine. Um, but any serious enthusiast, probably already have their pre-orders in, but figured I'd mention it for those of us that don't. Crix has just posted two updates to EverDrive firmwares. The first was for the Mega EverDrive to restore the functionality of the software Mega Key, which is the region free patch for the X3 and the X5, which is a pretty big deal for, um, you know, for people who use those versions of that game. And also, he issued an update for the EverDrive 64, allowing for all four controller ports to function in the menu, as well as fixing the GUI resolution bug. So, um, you know, very cool to see that Crix is still updating these. Um, depending on how you look at it and who you talk to, there's either not much left to do or so much farther you could go with these things. But I'm just happy to see updates and, uh, you know, awesome products that continue to get stuff added to them. Darksoft has just opened up pre-orders on his multi-AES ROM cart, which is essentially the same as his multi-MVS, but for the AES home systems. So many acronyms. Uh, but this is something I've been waiting to try for a while. Uh, a few months back, he said that the, he would hired somebody to do a different type of menu interface, and there's no word if this cart will ship with that new interface or not, but I'm certainly interested to see, because it's always been my personal opinion, and this is just an opinion, um, that for the stand-up arcades, having four slots loaded at once is awesome. It feels much more like the original stand-up multi-slots, whereas for a home kit, I've always really just preferred a straightforward menu. Just boot, select the game, press a button, wait. Uh, but, uh, you know, to each his own, that's just a preference. As long as it works and the games don't glitch out, I'm happy with any solution. And I have placed my pre-order and I'm looking forward to getting it. Uh, just to note, too, um, I think there was a bit of confusion. Darksoft, a while back, opened up an interest check forum just to gauge how many people might be seriously interested in purchasing. And I think some people misunderstood and thought that was getting in line. So uh, it doesn't really matter if you were the first person to gauge interest. This is all just about go to the site, 
buy the ROM card or pre-order it, pay, and then it gets shipped in that order. Uh, I believe there is a hundred being made in this batch, um, just as Smoke Monster wrote right when um, the announcement was first made last week. So there should be enough for all of the hardcore Neo Geo fans, especially at $635. I can't imagine he's going to drop a thousand of these in a few days. So, uh, but um, he, as with all of his products, is going to. The plan is to always make them. So if you're not in this first early run, uh, you know I'm sure there'll be one very soon right after it. But I bought mine. Can't wait to get it and try it out. And I'm really looking forward just to see how it works overall. And some more Neo Geo ROM card info. Terra Onion has also opened up pre-orders on their Neo SD Pro AES cart. So they had their, uh, you know, their AES and MVS carts out first. Uh, they were the ones that just you load one at a time. And yes, they took a while to to load each game, but once the games were loaded, there were no problems at all. At least, you know, after the firmware matured, you know, beta firmware aside, I never I never count that as a real problem. Um, but now their Pro versions of it seem to have more of the Darksoft-style features, where you could load up more than one games at once. Uh, I believe it loads faster. So while it's pretty neat, I didn't really see the need for one. Um, I really did like their Neo SD, and I loved the straightforward menu and just the way it worked. And I thought having both of those on the market, the Neo SD and the multi-MVS, uh, and I guess now the multi-AES, people could just choose whichever feature they want based on that. So... I guess Terra Onion wanted to cover both sides of the market, which is fine. Um, you know, pre-orders have opened, but I still strongly recommend buying not directly from them. Uh, you know, it sounds like I'm just, uh, it sounds like I'm part of whatever this very stupid uh, rivalry is between these two teams. Uh, and I'm really referring more to the followers and not to, not to the actual teams that work on these things. But um, I, it's just, I mean, actions speak louder than words. Uh, and while uh, Alex's personal attacks on customers last year were really scary, and the reason why I tell people to buy it from Stone Age Gamer or other official resellers, the truth is um, the fact that they announced this on the same day at Dark that Darksoft said his cart will be open soon. That's just business. Um, a lot of people were really turned off by that, but you know I don't know that I would have done it, but I don't know that I wouldn't have done it. That's just kind of the way it works in business. You both, you know, bounce off each other's, uh, you know, the hype of each other's products. Yeah, you try to swoop in there and uh, steal a few, but whatever. I certainly wouldn't fault Terra Onion for that. That's just the way it works sometimes. But um, if you're a fan of that style, go for it. I would just wait until they're available elsewhere because I would never want that company having any of my personal info again. And I'm even happy that I moved since my address was through them. Sounds weird, but if you don't know the story, just... Google it. I'm sure it's, it'll come up from some of the old podcasts I've done. There's now a ROM card available for the Amstrad GX4000 and the 6128 Retro Computer. This is one of these cards that has the dip switches that allows you to select which game you want loaded. So while it's not as easy as dropping an SD card in and selecting your game, it's still pretty cool and it's certainly still better than no ROM card at all. Um, I've used one of these for the Vectrix before. And it was kind of neat, uh, kind of both neat and a little annoying having to go through the chart and select which game to, to switch the dip settings. But um, it's still pretty awesome that these things are available and uh, more details are available in the post. A PAL-only RGB kit is now available for PAL and television consoles. Somebody's about to assemble 30 new boards 
And to be honest, when I was checking out the Intellivision RGB kits a few years ago, I never even tried it on PAL consoles. So uh, no, no offense, of course, to anybody from PAL regions. I just usually don't have easy access to stuff like that. I'd have to have somebody ship it from overseas, and very often the shipping's more expensive than the console. So it's very cool to see more kits like this to, to be able to allow all regions of the console to be used. So if you have a PAL Intellivision, um, you might want to hurry up because I believe there's only 30 going up for sale. Uh, but all the links and all the details are written below. Frank, the creator of the Sentinel Supergun, has just posted a picture of the first production version of the Sentinel. I've seen a prototype before, I believe Beast has one, um, but it's very cool to see the production version done, and I believe he will be offering a Plexi with that, which I have to say, um, in my personal opinion, people should consider a case a must. Just because even if you're super careful with absolutely all of your equipment, you never know. You know, you don't want to drop, you know, a, a, anything, a paperclip on it and have to short two connectors out or something. So having any kind of case or any kind of protection whatsoever, I think, is really something we should all consider essential. Unless for whatever reason you know it's locked and mounted inside a case somewhere. The fellow nerds know what I mean. But uh, it's very cool to see this project coming along. I'm really excited to see um, super guns get approached in a way where people put safety first, quality a close second, uh, and really make it something that a lot more of us now could add to our retro gaming collection. Whereas a few years ago, it was pretty daunting. There was a lot of stuff that you needed to know, and very often you didn't get a great quality image out of it. Sometimes you can get good, but... Uh, I'm really looking forward to trying this one out as well as some of the other ones. So uh, anybody that's interested, you have to go to the arcadeprojects.com forums, sign up, but it's free to sign up, of course, um, and then ask to be put on the order list over there. Uh, after that, um, you should just be uh, put in line and be able to pick it up when they become available. There's been some updates to the Parsec Supergun as well. Uh, this is the newer Supergun from Low Budget. And this version 1.1 has added a few bug fixes and some general improvements overall. And the Parsec seems neat because this one also has outputs for composite and S-video as well as RGB. So that might allow you to do something like game on a really nice S-video CRT while streaming RGB to your capture card or whatever else. Um, but it's cool to see more options. I believe Low Budget's concentrating on uh, what he's calling hats for it to add on a few more different output options and things like that. So it's very cool to see a lot of these super gun projects out nowadays, especially in that they're focused on safety and quality. And I think once this one goes through a few more revisions and gets all the kinks worked out, I'll probably buy one myself and, uh, and add it to the video of super guns I'll be reviewing probably a few months from now. It looks like we're on a roll with super guns today because there's a third one to talk about. The home arcade system, the Haas super gun, has an official pre-order page open. So if you go to that pre-order page and you put your name in, um, you'll be added to a list and then in the end of February, you'll be contacted for payment. 
So this is one of those things where, you know, serious inquiries only because you'll be expected to pay within a reasonable time from getting that email, but they'll ship very quickly. So it'll ship before the end of quarter one. So by the time you pay to the time that ships is going to be a reasonable period of time. So I'm really, I'm always happy to see pre-order lists put together like this as opposed to just posting on forums. Because while that's great for small quantities of stuff, it gets confusing really quickly. So very cool that Mike opened this up just to make it easier for everybody. So if you were waiting for a Hass, then uh, there you go. Just jump on that link. The creator of the MK Plus project has just posted a video showing both a four-player tag mode for Mortal Kombat 1, as well as a full live video of how he does the debugging and adds some of these features. So very cool both to skim through if you're just a fan of the project, but also cool if you're a fan of the behind-the-scenes work and how you can do stuff like this yourself. Uh, MK is my favorite arcade game, so I'm really interested. As soon as he comes out with the MK Plus for the original Mortal Kombat, I am jumping on it. And I still get to keep my eyes open for a cheap MK2 board, because those are still pretty expensive these days. An arcade core for the game Ghosts and Goblins was just added to the Mr. FPGA project. And it's really awesome to see a newer style arcade game on there and not just the Pac-Mans. And while I love the older style games, this is the beginning of the era of games that really defined uh, a lot of arcade gaming. And I mean, a lot of our childhoods too, depending on, on how old you are and which games you grew up with. But I was able to try it out. It works great. It was really fun to see. Uh, and I guess this is based off of an arcade platform that might be able to easily port over other games that were similar, uh, such as 1942 and 1943, Black Tiger, and a few others. So it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to see, and I'm really excited to see how much farther uh, this could be taken, because I, I mean, once we start getting real arcade cores on here, that's going to be a pretty huge deal, and even more of a push to do things like forking the, the hardware project for it. I've talked about that all the time, and uh, no one's stepped up, so I don't know if I've pissed people off by saying it, or just nobody wants to take on the very challenging project. Both are fair. Um, so I would like to see something go in the way of, you know, uh, uh, JAMA-based, so that you could install this in arcade cabinets, with stuff like Ghosts and Goblins available. Now it's getting even more relevant. And of course, just a more basic retro gaming SCART style. Um, also, I, was, uh, I received the 3D printed case that I spoke about last week. Uh, I got mine in, and it's awesome. And I know this might be a silly thing to say, but, you know, it's not just for protection, which it does, you know, it's great. It's going to protect from just having open circuits everywhere. But having something like this in a, in a case, especially with all the buttons accessible to go bring up the menu and stuff like that, it just makes it feel like more of a real project. Um, or a real product. And I know that's strange because at the end of the day, aesthetics don't matter. It's just how well it works. But uh, I'm very happy with this and I'm glad I bought it. And uh, I hope more people come up with uh, even cooler designs. And the uh, the creator or the person who I bought this from uh, was even able to get me the glow-in-the-dark ends that I had wanted. So uh, hopefully that'll make it easier if I'm fumbling around in the dark. But it's very cool. Um, and if you need a case for your mister, I recommend this. Uh, just remember, if you get the um, uh, Noctua fan, you're going to need to get long screws with, uh, with bolts on the end. 
in order to secure it to the board. I didn't have it, so I just hot glued mine to the top of the case. Uh, and whenever I get the correct nuts and bolts, I'll bolt it in correctly. But this is my mister. This isn't anybody else's. So uh, you could go ahead and glue shame me all you'd like. But uh, it works perfect for what I need, and I'll bolt it in when I get a chance to anyway. Someone with a PhD in computer science has just taken the time to break down the scientific measurements of how the person measures lag on arcade sticks. And as you can imagine, I absolutely love stuff like this. Um, he basically breaks it down to uh, how a USB works and then measures lag between different arcade sticks. And it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I haven't really gotten into that so much yet. I've done a few experiments, but what I've really been concentrating most on is just display lag. So input lag, <coughs> excuse me, is obviously equally as important. Um, and it's something that it, that's... Uh, especially important if you're buying newer fight sticks. So the scope of the article really focused on that, but uh, I hope to work with a few people soon to kind of expand on work like this, as well as the work I've been doing for a few years now, and really break down how lag works all together in kind of a layman's terms while also showing the measurements. So that's a future project I'd like to get into, but that was very cool to see. I believe there's also somebody from Brazil who's working on similar methods of testing, um, and I'd love to get in touch with all of them personally and start, uh, you know, maybe not combining all our work, but at least bouncing ideas off of each other to make sure that we have a, a good, solid, easily reproducible ways of testing the uh, lag from different things. So I, I think, I always think that stuff like teaching people an easy way of testing yourself helps everybody because then, you know, people get used to the testing methods and they can just say, oh, hey, I picked up the new thing and you know, it only has, you know, 16 milliseconds of lag. I measured it on the meter or whatever. So that's pretty cool. Um, also, I'd like to welcome Vanessa as one of the contributors to the site. This was her first article and uh, a damn good one. So thanks, Vanessa. Looking forward to see what else you got. A new firmware was just released for the FrameMeister, which is kind of shocking because I'd heard rumors of Mecomsoft pretty much abandoning it, but I guess that's not true. So... Uh, here we go, a brand new firmware that adds improved compatibility with 4K TVs, improved scanline functions, um, display adjustment for NECs, and addition of a dot clock adjustment function for RGB consoles. Um, I spoke to Firebrand X, and he hasn't had a chance to thoroughly go through the firmware yet. So unless you're, one of the t uh, you're using one of the TVs that's not compatible, um, I would hold off on upgrading just until he gave his full assessment of it. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to have the, the pixel-perfect profiles ruined by a firmware. So uh, the one thing he did mention in his quick testing, the dot clock adjustments aren't as fine as in the OSSC. So while it's an improvement, you're still going to get a better image quality from the OSSC overall. Um, the main uh, advantage of the FrameMeister by far is compatibility, especially now with improved compatibility with newer TVs. So very cool to see the firmware update, and uh, probably by next week's podcast, we'll hear from Firebrand X and see what he has to say about it. It looks like the analog versions of the RetroBit controllers that were recently announced got pushed back to this summer but the rest of the controllers will still be released supposedly next month, uh, late February. And, you know, I'm always skeptical of RetroBit, Hyperkin, and all these things, uh, you know, so especially with controllers, because sometimes they'll release one that's great, others it's crap, but 
Either way, I'm really looking forward to the Saturn wireless controller, because even if it has lag and even if it's not the best, I just think for anybody in a testing environment or, or just people that want to just screw around every now and then, it's very, it makes things a lot more convenient to have wireless controllers. I have all of them plugged into all of my, all wireless controllers now plugged into every console that offers one, and it just makes my testing so much easier to be able to flip on the console, grab the controller, come over here to my workstation, and keep going. So I'll definitely be purchasing the Saturn one. Um, I had, <laughs> I personally had no plans of getting these analog versions, so uh, it's certainly not going to affect me. But uh, Retrobit also said that they've addressed things like um, the start and select buttons are going to be in the proper place and mapped properly. How on earth they could have ever messed that one up? I mean, when, when in the history of game controllers has the start been on the left? Uh, for a company that makes these things, that's a little mind-blowing. But whatever. I hope that's not a hint as to the quality that's uh, to be expected of these things. I hope at least the Saturn controller is uh, is decent enough because at the moment we have a pretty great option with Crix's controller for the Genesis, um, and that even works with the Master System and uh, and you could even put it in three button mode for controllers that aren't six button compa compatible. So at the moment, at least in my opinion, the analog controllers are cool for people that want to use that style of the PC, but it's the Saturn one that I'm really looking forward to checking out. So hopefully about a month from now I'll have one. Another new Genesis game was just announced called Project Halloween. A team on the Sega 16 forums has said they expect five to six months of development and they'll be able to have the game out, which I think is a little ambitious, but hey, whatever. Uh, I'm always happy to see new games on older platforms and I'm certainly looking forward to trying it when it's released. The Sega Saturn emulator Yava Sanshiro was just updated, and one of the list of updates was fixing compatibility with the game Space Harrier, which I always thought was a great uh, arcade port on the Saturn. So uh, if you use that emulator, definitely update. That's an official fork of the Yabu Yabu's, I never know how to say that, uh, the other Saturn emulator, which is open source. Um, and there's different ports for different platforms. I guess there's an iOS port, but it's pretty far behind to the Android versions uh, or the Windows versions. And overall, I guess compatibility um, and performance runs pretty good on the NVIDIA Shield. So uh, anybody that's a fan of the Saturn emulators, definitely worth it uh, doing the update. Dark Ares has just posted a video of his test results of the RetroTINK 2X going into a Magewell capture card. Um, and he has that side-by-side -side with the Vision E2S, which is the same as the E1S, but dual inputs. Uh, and it shows that the combination of the RetroTINK and the Magewell is actually much faster in switching than the Datapath is. So this is essential info for people that use or that play a lot of games that constantly switch between resolutions. Uh, PS1 and PS2 games, there's a lot of. Uh, I believe there's a bunch of N64 games and others as well. And while at the moment the Magewell card is 900 bucks, um, it's good info to have because while the cards will eventually go down in price, this problem's never going to go away. For as long as you play those older games, you're always going to switch between resolutions. Uh, so it's pretty cool that we have this info now. Um, of course, this is something that is really meant for professional Twitch streamers at the moment, because I don't think most of us would spend 900 bucks on the card just to, you know, just to cut your, 
your resolution switching um, down. But I mean, that's kind of the focus of Dark Aries' work is to try to get the best and then let it trickle down from there. So, um, you know, I'm a fan. I'm really glad I get to to learn all this stuff, and I'm glad he's sharing it with everybody on the new wiki, the R3 wiki. Um, that's going to be coming up in conversation a lot in the next few weeks. I have a few videos uh, coming together about video capture and streaming and stuff that uh, Dark Aries and the whole R3 team were a big help with. Uh, for beginners, though, I just do need to mention that while we're always striving for the best, um, you know, we are, a lot of us, most of us, in fact, are also on the side looking for easy and cheap solutions for everybody. Uh, and a great way to, to fix this switching between resolutions problem for streaming, or I guess for capture, depending on what you're doing, is just those really crappy SCART to HDMI converters. They fluctuate in price all the time. They're down to 20 bucks now. And uh, in a situation like this, the fact that it improperly treats 240p as 480i is a good thing because since it's always treating the signal as 480i, there's no dropouts between resolution. So yeah, this thing's not going to look very good at all, especially if you put it next to a video of a professional Twitch streamer on good equipment. But the fact that it just works, there's no dropouts, and it doesn't matter. There could be 100 frames of lag uh, if you're not playing on this thing. If you're gaming on an RGB monitor, then sending the output of the monitor to this, then this directly into your capture card. Lag doesn't matter, and, you know, for 20 bucks, I would, I would go as far to say as the quality doesn't really matter either. Set it to a resolution that your capture card likes. Hopefully one of, one of the outputs it'll work. Um, and now you have a good solution for those games. Um, and to be honest, I would even recommend this for beginners or intermediates who uh, even already have an OSSC but just play games that constantly drop out because they're switching between resolutions. Um, this is a good, cheap, and easy fix, and it, uh, you know, it certainly will not satisfy any of the pros, but for me personally, I don't play a lot of those games, so if I just needed to fire one up and go through, that would be my choice if I were streaming it, uh, just because I don't have any faster solutions at the moment. So... Uh, thanks to Dark Aries for keeping us in the loop with all this stuff, as well as all of the team that contributes to the R3 Wiki and the Discord, because uh, they've been a huge help. But you guys will see that video coming up soon. HD MyCube has just announced their open source version of a GC video board. This one is designed around Insurrection Industries' really high quality digital port connector. And Greg Collins said that he's going to be designing a 3D printed case for it as well. So uh, it looks like we have a really good, solid choice for people that want and prefer to do do-it-yourself projects as opposed to buying pre-made. Um, so very cool that we have options nowadays that, uh, that don't involve hand uh, inserting the pins because while the GC Plug and the GC Max were awesome and uh, I really thought it was cool that those were out there, having to manually insert the pins into that 3D printed connector uh, sounded very tedious. So <laughs> glad that we don't have to do that anymore. And thanks to everybody who's uh, added um, all of the awesome things to bring us to this point for the open source solution. You know, we wouldn't have gotten here without all those other steps. So thanks to everybody involved that did a lot of work. Genovi just released a new video in his Unreleased series. 
this one about Atari Jaguar games. And at the beginning of it, he goes into how the Jaguar was one of the only consoles to not have a price hike for a long time. And it was kind of cool to see how he brought that perspective up because it, maybe that's why a lot of companies didn't want to throw their, you know, their hat into the mix because nobody was buying it. There was no price hikes to entice people to, or price cuts to entice people to buy it. So it was neat to, to hear that perspective of it and uh, how that may have affected why these games were unreleased. But uh, fun video as always, so check it out if you're into Jaguar. Retro Fighters has just announced a new 2-in-1 controller that's supposedly going to work on both the Genesis and the Saturn. And they claim a high-quality D-pad, great-quality analog stick, and good ergonomics. But to be honest, um, you know, that stuff to each his own. People's hands are all different. A controller like this might feel better to some people than others. It's totally cool to each his own. But what I really want to know is how they're handling the conversion between the two controllers. Uh, is it you know is it done with latency in mind so that you have zero latency? It's the same as a stock controller, or are they using some kind of conversion chip that adds? Uh, I mean, it could be potentially two frames of lag if you're using the wrong chip. So I really hope somebody pulls these things apart and takes pictures of how they're doing the conversion. I'm as you would imagine, I am always skeptical of things like this. Uh, so, you know, if they're really doing this with, uh, you know, they call it the brawler gen, if they really do this with fighting games in mind, maybe it's an awesome new choice for people that want that style of controller, but um, I would hold off on buying one until we get to see pictures of the insides. Artemio has just updated the Dreamcast version of the 240p test suite, and uh, this one has some minor fixes and updates as well as a new thumbnail for GDMU users. But to be honest, I'm always just looking for an excuse to talk about the 240p test suite. Uh, it is an essential part of my testing, and uh, at this point, I couldn't live without it. So uh, if, uh, if you don't have it yet, get it for whatever consoles you have. Um, it's free and open source. If you feel like contributing to it as well, it's there. You can add whatever you'd like to it. Uh, for me personally, I'd like to see checkerboard and bandwidth tests in every resolution that every console offers. Which is asking a lot, I know, but if anybody has time to do that stuff, uh, that's going to be a help for everybody who starts to do uh, specialized video capture stuff, which I'll have a video of that coming out soon. So, huge fan of the 240p test suite. Um, you know, thank you to our Teamio and all of the team that works on that. Uh, I really do love that software, so thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for everybody that watches, listens, and posts down in the comments. And of course, as always, thank you so much for everybody who supports this on any of the platforms. I don't care which one. I'm just very, very appreciative of the support because without all of that support, these videos and all the behind-the-scenes stuff I work on wouldn't be able to happen. So thank you so much, and I'll see you guys next time.